0: Could you take the word of God with me, and we'll go in our Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> to become an avid reader, you first have to learn your ABCs. To become a professional writer, you would first have to learn grammar. To become a mathematician, you would first have to learn how to add and subtract. To become a skilled musician, you would have to start with the basics of being able to read music and play scales. The fact is, to master any subject, you have to to learn the fundamentals. You have to lay the foundation with the essentials, with the elementary elements of whatever it is you're trying to master. You've got to learn the fundamentals. Many of us have heard this story, but uh, one of the NFL's greatest coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi, he won five championships as a football coach And every season, he would begin the first practice with this statement. He would hold up before his team uh, the football that they played with, and he would say to these grown men, these professional football players, he would begin practice with this statement, this is a football. This is a football. Now everyone on that field knew good and well that was a football. They didn't need to be told that, but he wanted to emphasize at the beginning of every season that we can never outgrow the fundamentals. If we're going to be a winning football team, we have got to prioritize the fundamentals. And the same is true for us as Christians. We will never outgrow the fundamentals of the gospel. And here in the passage we're going to look at in 2 Timothy 2, We're going to look at some Gospel Fundamentals. And so that's the title of the message this evening, Gospel Fundamentals. If we are going to win for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are going to be like we learned last week, those devoted soldiers, those disciplined athletes, those diligent farmers for the Lord Jesus, we have got to master the Fundamentals. And we've got to make a choice tonight to never forget them. If you begin reading with me in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read it out loud together. Uh, Verses 8 through 14. Ready? Begin. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David "...was raised from the dead according to my gospel." Okay, hold up. Are you guys reading from a different Bible? Because I can only hear a few of us, okay? Let's read it like we mean it, like it's true. Verse 9, ready, begin. "...wherein I suffer trouble, as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes." that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself." Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Gospel fundamentals. Uh, In this passage, we're going to see, first, what the gospel is. That's covered in verse 8. Then in verses 9 and 10, we're going to see what the gospel is does and then finally in verses 11 through 14 we won't get to it tonight this will lord willing be next week but we will see how the gospel works so what the gospel is what it does and how it works and these fundamentals we must take great care to always remember you see verse 8 he says remember remember In this word, it means to make a conscious choice to keep something in mind, to keep something always before you. And we are not only responsible to remember these gospel fundamentals, but to help others do the same. Look at verse 14. He says, not only do you need to remember these things, Timothy, but of these things, put them in remembrance. Now, I believe the them in verse 14 is referring back to the faithful men of verse 2. And it is our job as believers to follow the example of that lady in that video and to reproduce ourselves exponentially. And so we need to be discipling others and teaching them the gospel fundamentals and reminding them of these truths so that they can teach them to others. So in this passage, we're going to see what the gospel is, what it does, and how it works. But if you're taking notes tonight... For that first section we're going to look at, number one, we see in verse 8, a gospel summary to remember. A gospel summary to remember. Here we see very clearly and succinctly what the gospel is. Notice he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. In this verse we see four components of the gospel message that we must remember. First, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I was reading a book recently, and I loved this quote from it. The quote was what's the question? Jesus is the answer. What's the problem? Jesus is. The solution and here as, as Paul is summarizing the gospel and what we have got to always remember and keep forefront in our minds these fundamentals of the Christian faith it starts right here with remembering Jesus Christ I wonder how many of our problems would be solved how many of our questions on a daily basis would be answered and how many of our failures could be avoided if we would just Remember Jesus Christ in the daily moments of life. Do you realize that tonight when you go home and tomorrow when you wake up and then when you go through the weekend, do you realize that all you and I need is the Lord Jesus Christ? We come up against a question that we don't have the answer to. He's the answer. We come up to a problem that we don't know the solution. He's the solution. My life verse is from Hebrews chapter 12, so I'd invite you to turn there with me. And this is a relevant cross-reference because it shows us how we are to remember Jesus Christ. And uh, it's so applicable to our text here because in Hebrews chapter 12, there's, there's another athletic analogy very similar to the one that Paul just gave in 2 Timothy 2. And so reading in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's the key to victory. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What is one of our greatest problems as Christians? The reality on a daily basis of temptation. We know the key to overcoming temptation. Remembering Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus. Considering Him who died for our sins. Remember Jesus Christ. I'd like to look at some other, you don't have to turn there with me, but some other references from Hebrews that remind us just who Jesus Christ is. And Christian, no matter how bad a day might get, no matter how deep in despair you might feel, no matter how tough the, the, what lies ahead for you looks like, no matter how bad it might look, we can always remember Jesus Christ who we are told in Hebrews chapter 2, partook of flesh and blood, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us who through fear of death We're all our lifetime subject to bondage. And he was made like unto us, his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for our sins. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor us when we are tempted. When the going gets rough, remember that that's your high priest. He is our high priest, we read in Hebrews 4, which can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. For in all points he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And because of him, we can come boldly under the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need something? Remember Jesus Christ. He's made the way open to God's throne, and you can get all the grace and all the help you need At any time, because of Jesus Christ. This same Jesus, our high priest, in Hebrews 12, we read, He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Everyone in this room could leave or forsake you, but Jesus never will. And so when you feel alone, uh, when you feel abandoned in some way or another, remember Jesus Christ. When you read of how patient he was with those knucklehead disciples. When you read how he would forgive sinners and he was accused of being a friend of sinners. When you read that he is meek and lowly in heart and and you see him going about doing good. That's all he did throughout the gospel record. That same Jesus is your high priest. That same Jesus lives in your heart and mind. And every day of our lives, we get to look to Him for the help, for the grace, for the strength we need, just like the disciples who walked along with Him in the flesh. Remember Jesus Christ. That's, of course, the first and primary component of the gospel. But next, we see in this verse the components of this gospel message. Number two is His kingdom. So, Jesus Christ first and to his kingdom. Notice in our text, if you'll turn back with me to 2 Timothy 2. <clears throat> verse 8 says, Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Now, remember, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's half Gentile, his father Is a Greek? Timothy is ministering in a Gentile city. Much of his congregation is Gentile. So why does Paul emphasize Jesus' Hebrew lineage at this point? He's giving a summary. He's not giving all the details about the gospel. So why does he see it as so important to include, or rather, why did the Holy Spirit see fit to include this phrase, of the seed of David? Well, the reason this is included here in our gospel summary that we must remember is because it's to remind Timothy and to remind us that the gospel can only be rightly understood within the context of the whole Bible story. That's the only way the gospel can be rightly understood is within the context of what God is doing between Genesis and Revelation and all throughout the Old Testament, we see these This thread of God promising that a redeemer would come. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman is promised. Genesis 12, God promises that blessing will come to all nations through Abraham. Then we get to 2 Samuel and this initial promise given to David that his throne would be established forever is given in 2 Samuel 7 verses 13 through 16. And then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, This promise to David of a king to reign on his throne forever is elaborated in Psalms and in Isaiah and in Jeremiah and in Amos and in Zechariah. And it keeps building and building and building throughout the Old Testament until finally the Lord Jesus shows up. And in Luke chapter 1, when the angel is making the announcement to Mary, he says in verse 31 through 33, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son... And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament, you find that when the gospel is preached, it is always preached within the context of the Old Testament prophecies that predicted Christ's first coming and his second coming. This is why in that great summary passage about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uses the phrase three times. He says, the gospel according to the scriptures, that he he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised again according to the scriptures. Why is he doing that? Because the gospel is the unifying theme of those scriptures. And when you see the apostles preaching in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, and then when Paul is preaching in Acts 13, they are always preaching out of the Old Testament, out of those prophecies, saying, Jesus Christ has fulfilled what God promised he would. Then you go all the way to the book of Revelation. And on the final page of the Bible in Revelation 22, Jesus refers to himself as the root and offspring of David. And so it's all connected, it's all one big picture. And why am I going to all this trouble to to show you this thread of this seed of David and its significance here? Because this statement of the seed of David encapsulates the prophecies in the Old Testament. Of Christ's eternal reign. And they remind us that the gospel is the unifying theme of the Bible story. And please catch this. They remind us that the gospel is much more than trying to get someone to pray a prayer to get a ticket to heaven. Yes, praying and calling upon Christ's name. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved in Romans 10. That is how we express our faith and how a person is saved. And yes, we are promised. A home in heaven. But that is just a part of the gospel. And the gospel message encompasses the fact that Jesus Christ came as the rightful king, but he chose to die for our sins even though he could have come as judge. And he's coming again to set up his kingdom which will last forever. And the gospel encompasses the fact of his kingdom. And please catch this. If we are going to remember this gospel summary, we've got to understand that the gospel is not just something to take care of my eternity, to take care of where I'm going to heaven, and then forget it. The gospel encompasses the eternal plan of God for the universe and for humanity. It's God's good story that He wrote from Genesis to Revelation that covers time and eternity. There is nothing bigger or better than the gospel. It's the gospel of His kingdom. Please remember, Christian, that the gospel is all about the good story that God has written. And we know how the story ends. And we know that every human being will stand before God in judgment. And those who have not believed in Jesus Christ will be judged for their sins. But those of us who believed on Christ, we get to look forward to today when we meet Christ not in some kind of judgment for our sin, but when we get to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. But remembering that the gospel encompasses this fact that Christ is of the seed of David will help us always keep before us that there's nothing bigger or better or more significant than this message of the gospel. Components of the gospel. Jesus Christ, His kingdom. Thirdly, His resurrection. His resurrection. Notice verse 8. He's summarizing the gospel. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. Now in Acts chapter 2, when Peter's preaching at Pentecost, his main point to the Jewish audience before him is, look, in Psalm 16, it was promised, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. This was spoken of the Messiah. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in the abode of the dead, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And Peter's saying, look, the Old Testament promised that the Messiah was going to rise from the dead and Jesus the one who left that tomb just a few days uh, ago, he is that same Christ the Old Testament predicted. And and that is what brought such conviction to the hearts of the Jewish people, realizing that, that God has made it clear that Jesus is the Messiah because he raised him from the dead. And then when Paul is preaching to a Gentile audience in Acts 17, he says, The times of this ignorance. So the time before the gospel, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And why does God have the right to do that? Because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, namely Jesus Christ. Whereof He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Christian, please hear this. The gospel is not some myth. It is not a fairy tale. It is not you making some blind leap in the dark, believing in some random person called Jesus. The gospel is a message based on objective fact, based on the reality that God's Son came down to earth died a brutal death on a Roman cross and rose out of that tomb on the third day. And if you and I are going to remember the gospel, we've got to keep always before us that the message I preach is not some fairy tale, it's not just something to make me feel better, it is a a message about the most momentous day in history that Jesus Christ conquered death. And when you're witnessing to your family to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, you are not asking them to make some blind leap into the dark. You are not asking them to put their faith in something that has not been verified. You are asking them to make a decision based on objective historical facts. Remember that the gospel is reality. But you know, Christian, what's even more convincing... Than historical evidence. You know what will change the heart of your lost family, lost coworkers, lost neighbors, more than them being presented with the facts of the gospel? A transformed life. And so the fourth component of the gospel that we see in this text is your testimony. Your testimony. Notice the interesting phrasing here. He's giving Timothy a summary of the gospel. So the the Holy Spirit is leading him to be very choice in the words he uses. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The Apostle Paul three times in the New Testament calls it my gospel. Here in 2 Timothy 2.8, but also in Romans 2 verse 16 and Romans 16 verse 25 and I wonder if perhaps it's in the same sense as when we say things like Matthew's gospel or Mark's gospel it's the same gospel is the same message of Jesus but it's from these different men's perspective and it encompasses all that they wrote about it and so I believe that when Paul says, My gospel, that 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 is including all of Paul's writings on the person and work of Jesus Christ. So his epistles like Romans and Colossians that give us in writing the gospel elaborated and explained how it how it works out in our daily experience, exactly what Christ accomplished on our behalf. I believe that's what Paul is including here when he says. My gospel. And so Christian, that should be a, 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 a motivation to us to study this book with all that we have. Peter, in one of the most comical passages in scripture, refers to Paul's writings as, as the word of God. But he says, in the which there are some things that are hard to be understood. And that's why so many of us love Peter. He's so relatable. Okay? He just says it like it is. But if this gospel of Paul's, how God communicated and taught him the gospel, it is essential to us remembering, then we've got to be willing to study it. And that's why I'm so thankful for Faith Bible Institute and the great response and the commitment to it from our people. Because we're getting to go through book by book Paul's gospel. And the different epistles that were written. This semester we're going through Romans. And so, if you haven't been through FBI, please consider because we've got to know this gospel. In Romans 16, verse 25, this is what Paul says of my gospel. He says, Now to him that has a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. The way that God is going to establish us and make us mature believers is by the preaching of the New Testament and by the preaching of Of this gospel which was elaborated uh, so extensively by the Apostle Paul through the ministry of the Holy Spirit I believe that that's the main context however I also believe that the reason he calls it my gospel is because it meant everything to Paul he took this gospel message seriously it was real to him. It wasn't just a set of facts, the gospel, or this is what happened. No, no, no. It's my gospel. And in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, 2 Thessalonians at the beginning, Paul introduces Paul and Silvanus and Timothy as the kind of co-authors of that epistle. And guess what he says in 2 Thessalonians 2 14. He's speaking on behalf of Sylvanus and Timothy. Guess what he calls the good news of Jesus Christ? He calls it our gospel. Now catch this. It was Paul's gospel, and it was real to him. It had transformed everything about his life, but at some point it became Timothy's gospel. Why? Because Paul was willing to share his gospel with someone Else, every single one of us is in this room because someone took the gospel that was theirs and shared it with us I would not be here today I would not be born again I would not have the Holy Spirit living inside me and have a home in heaven if it had not been for godly parents the gospel was theirs and they gave it to me and thank God they did and don't ever get over The fact that someone took the gospel to you and and no matter what happens with your relationship with that individual, never forget what they did for you. And I wonder, Christian, who looks at us the way we look at the person who led us to Christ? Is there anyone in our lives who could look to us and say, it was their gospel and they shared it with me? This is what makes the gospel convincing, Christian. When it goes from not just being a set of facts, not just words on a page, not just lyrics to a song, but something that's real to you. And something that you've got to share with others. Secondly tonight, and we'll finish with this, we're looking at gospel fundamentals. And so we've seen what the gospel is. We've seen... This gospel summary that we've got to remember. And lastly tonight, we'll see a gospel servant to replicate. A gospel servant to replicate. Notice, says, verse 9, Paul says, he had just said, According to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, with the example of the Apostle Paul, we get to see what the gospel does. And two things very quickly number one, it changes our destiny, and number two, it changes our disposition. You see here from what the Apostle Paul says, this ministry of the gospel, he's doing it so that the elect, those who've been chosen by God, those, though, he wants all men to be saved, can obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's what the gospel does. It changes you and me from hell-bound sinners to heaven-bound saints. That's what the gospel did for Paul and that's what it does for us and never get over that. Remember that the gospel took me a sinner, someone who was against Christ, someone who was his enemy, someone who deserved nothing but hell and made me a saint headed for heaven. That's the power of the gospel. Changes our destiny and changes our disposition. Look at what it did to the apostle Paul. It took him from being a selfish murderer and transformed him into a selfless martyr. And that's what the gospel does for you and me. Before we're saved, we're selfish and we're murderers. The Bible says that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Before we get saved, we're busy doing a lot of sinning that brings about a lot of death. We're no better than the Apostle Paul. Caught up in our our own desires, our own dreams, our own will, going about to establish our own righteousness, but the gospel changes everything. It takes us from people so focused on ourselves that we are so blind to the pain we're causing other people. Paul was standing by when Stephen, a man so holy, his face glowed. And Paul was so blinded by his own selfishness that he stood by while he was stoned. And it took a man like that and made him someone, this this staunch Pharisee, this person who lived for the fact that everyone thought he was righteous, and it took that man and made him willing to be in a Roman Gentile prison, suffering as an evildoer, forsaken by all. That's the power of the gospel. And Christian, you and I need to remember what the gospel is capable of. And we need to stop focusing on where we are right now and where we're struggling and where there are so many things wrong with us. And we need to get our eyes back on the gospel of Jesus Christ and its power to transform. We need to stop focusing on how those around us, what they look like right now as lost people. You know, Christian, it's a shame that so many of us expect lost people to act like Christians. And we're surprised when lost people sin against us. We're surprised when they're unkind. Look, someone who doesn't have Jesus Christ living inside them has no reason to be kind. They have no ability to to, to even love. And we need to stop focusing on where people are right now and start focusing on where they could be with the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that that's how the Lord Jesus saw us? I know Paul was. He said, I was before a blasphemer and injurious, but I obtained mercy that in me first I could be a pattern hereafter to all them that believe that I could Be a model of what the gospel can do. Christian, remember the power of the gospel. In conclusion tonight, let me urge you, when you go home tonight, when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you're facing struggles, remember the Lord Jesus and his gospel. And you and I, need to get serious about replicating the example that we're given in Scripture of the Apostle Paul and how he followed Christ. And he was willing to give up everything for the elect's sake, for the sake of people being saved, and for the sake of people being prepared to enter God's presence. Let's follow that example. Let's remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. And replicate Paul's example. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. And though not one of us here deserved your grace, not one of us here deserved one bit of your love, we thank you that you came to every single one of us like you came to Paul and you changed everything. And Lord God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people who daily remember Jesus Christ and his gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get our eyes off of ourselves or or off what the people around us look like right now and help us to focus on where we could be with the transforming power of the gospel. Oh Lord, use us like that lady uh, in the video we watched earlier. Use us to take this saving message to the people around us this week. Oh Lord, we thank you for the transforming power of the gospel. We pray that you would... Work in our hearts and help us to make whatever decisions you're calling us to make during this invitation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, if God has spoken to your heart, would you respond?